In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and beginning with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast, where we talk about how to teach the Catholic faith. Your hosts today are myself, Stacy Trisankos, the Executive Director of the St. Philip Institute, and His Excellency Bishop Strickland, who is the founder of the St. Philip Institute. Um, we have as our guest today, one of our board members and a great friend of the Institute who uh, works with us every day on directing it, um, Deacon Keith Fournier. Thank you. Well, great to be you with you, Doctor, here. and Bishop. Wonderful to be with you. I'm sure many of you know who Deacon Keith is. Uh, he's been a great influencer and leader in the Catholic world for many years now, and uh, he he breathes this air. You can you can, you can sense that he's breathing the air of Catholicism and everything that he does, and it, it's such a blessing to be able to be near you and work with you every day, and we're so grateful. Well, thank you. It's an honor for me to be here. When I was a little kid, <laughs> people would say, what's your name? And I'd say, Keith Fournier, good boy. <laughs> so you asked me to introduce myself. My mother always told me that, Keith Fournier, good boy. I'm Deacon <laughs> Keith Fournier. I'm a deacon of the Catholic Church for 24 years. Been married 44 years. Yeah. Five children, seven grandchildren, and a constitutional lawyer for 40 years, and love theology, so a theologian as well. But I moved here a little less than a year ago to be with this wonderful bishop and with you and a part of this great work, and it truly is an honor for me. Well, it's an honor for us and for the people of the diocese. We are here today to talk about an issue that we have um, that's been very much on our hearts and minds and uh, that we feel very called to speak up about now. Um, you might say that we are taking on some poking at some very big bears and we're aware of that and that's not our intent, but we're called as Christians to shine the light of Christ in a dark world and carry our candles where God leads us to do so and to right the wrongs that we see when we're aware of them. Um, in this episode today, and, and we're going to um, wrap it up in, in a shorter time than usual um, to force ourselves to be more concise and to get to the heart of the questions, um, we're going to talk about Bishop's pastoral letter, which was released recently addressing the use of aborted children in the development of the COVID-19 vaccine. We are very much aware that this issue is only the tip of an iceberg, that there is a bigger question about the development of vaccines morally that's been going on, as any parent knows, for many years now that the Vatican, through the Pontifical Academy for Life, has already given some guidance on. Um, and it's even that all is even part of a larger issue, that being the culture of death versus the culture of life. Um, and we just wanted to um, address some questions head on in this um, recent letter 
that might come up. Um, specifically, first, the question about what is, how does this fit into the context? So, so I've already said that we're aware that this is a piece of a bigger puzzle, um, but we want to address that specifically right now. Well, I think that um, the way I would frame this, we're here in the, we're here in the Easter season, uh, the season of life, the everlasting life, the supernatural gift of life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the origin of the good news. We're reading in the Acts of the Apostles, the beautiful readings of this time of the liturgical year, the story of the church beginning. And Jesus sent the disciples out on a mission to share good news. And I think that's always something that uh, as Catholics, as believers, we always need to go back to that very original source of good news. Because things get complicated, things you move down the road, and it's like, well, you know, that, that's so disruptive to the way things are. Why, why are you saying disruptive things? <laughs> but it, it ultimately, the sanctity of life is good news that in too many ways has been pushed to the side, um, economically or morally or in many aspects of life. And so this issue of everybody is hopefully praying that we will quickly develop a vaccine for COVID-19. This virus has changed our world in drastic ways. The Lord is still with us. The good news hasn't been overtaken by this virus, but this need for a vaccine is very real. And I was very disturbed to, and I tweeted, but I, I was very disturbed to see, and I actually said, isn't it sad that here we are in 2020 with all the, the rhetoric about the sanctity of life and all of the efforts, very good efforts, but what really uh, prompted my writing this pastoral letter was information that I saw that certain number of attorneys general were petitioning the White House, President Trump, to to, release, to loosen these guidelines that, that don't allow for the use of mm -hmm. unborn children's body parts to produce vaccines. And from what I understand, there are already these unethical, immoral strains of vaccine that are being worked on, cell lines, as they say, that originate with the body parts of unborn children. Some would even say, oh, well, don't talk about body parts. And, but if it's part of a human person, one hair is a body part. As a scientist, you know, it goes down to the, the mm -hmm. cell level. Mm -hmm. That if it originated from a human being, it's a body part. Um, and to, to treat that as, as a commodity is, is simply harmful to the human family. Um, and so at this moment, as a vaccine is yet to be developed, I believe all of us who believe in the sanctity of life really need to speak up and say, scientists, please, governments, please, pharmaceutical companies, please, and probably stronger than please, but we try to be polite, 
But we need to demand an ethical mm-hmm. production of a vaccine that we all say, yes, wouldn't it be wonderful to tomorrow have an ethically produced COVID-19 vaccine yep. that okay. we could begin sharing around the country and around the world? That would be a great blessing. But if it comes from the body parts of unborn children, it's part of the culture of death. It will never bring the healing that humanity desires, and it will just continue the darkness that we're all trying to deal with. Yeah. And Deacon Keith, could you say a little more about the historical moment in time that we're at right now with this vaccine? Like why it's so critical to speak up right now? There are alternatives already available. Mm -hmm. We all know that. Mm -hmm. You don't need to use the body parts of unborn children for this vaccine. There are other alternatives. So why are we choosing? Because abortion is always the taking of innocent human life. And we cannot use embryonic persons for vaccines. It's intrinsically evil and immoral, and that is not just a religious position. We all know as Catholics, for example, Pope St. John Paul II in his wonderful encyclical letter, The Gospel of Life, made it very clear, speaking with the authority of Peter. I'm not going to read it, but... You have it. I have it. Yes. And it's very clear, and we cannot do evil saying that a good will result. That is always immoral. Mm -hmm. So we can catch this right now. We can have an ethical vaccine. And the pharmaceutical companies can produce it. And we need to demand Mm -hmm. that our legislators support it. And we should not allow, we can nip this in the butt. We can do it right now. And we all want that vaccine, but not at the expense of taking innocent human life because even the embryonic person is innocent human life. And that, by the way, is what the Holy See calls the embryo, the embryonic person. Jesus was an embryonic person. So we cannot treat persons as property. They're gifts to be received. They're an I and not an it. And it is Mm -hmm. simply something we have to stand up against in solidarity right now. Yep, we do. And I wanted to to point out something that was just recently quoted to me. St. Teresa of Calcutta said so many wonderful things. And and certainly, um, we are aware of of the poor uh, and poverty in our world. And sadly, with the economic crisis that's part of this virus, there are issues about poverty and whether people will have the food and the shelter and the clothing they need. We care for those people. That's part of the mission of Jesus Christ. St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, said the unborn are the poorest of the poor. Amen. And I think that really is something we need to highlight and understand. How can we use the poorest of the poor for our own protection Mm -hmm. from a virus? That's what it comes down to. And I think for a lot of people who disagree with our stance on the sanctity of life and the sanctity of the life of the unborn, the embryonic person, there's a lot of rhetoric that pushes against that. You know, women speak of, it's my body. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's someone else's body. (laughs) And we have to pay attention to that. But I think that thinking about the poorest of the poor, how dare we if, if we were going to some of our cities that have a lot of homeless people and say, well, that's a homeless person. They've got nothing. Yep. 
We can use them. They, they're not important. Mm -hmm. We can utilize their body and save humanity. Would we That's do it? basically what we're doing with yeah. unborn persons. Yeah. That's right. They're the poorest of the poor. They're getting kicked out of their home they ever knew was their own mother's womb. The first home of the whole human race. And the child in the womb is our neighbor. And it is always and everywhere wrong to take the life of an innocent always. neighbor. The church always. is very clear on that. And, and by the way, natural moral law is very yes. clear on that. We know it's wrong to go next door and take the life yes. of our neighbor. That child in the womb is our neighbor. We all know it. Medical science has confirmed what our conscience long ago told mm -hmm. us. We have 4D and 3D ultrasounds now. We know the truth about the child in the womb. So we have an opportunity with this situation, this terrible epidemic, mm -hmm. this COVID-19 virus, to stop this in its tracks and to demand that pharmaceutical companies, legislators, everyone involved in the process do what's right because we know it's right mm -hmm. and we must stand together. So I am so grateful that the bishop has had the courage to write this letter. And that's why we're encouraging people now to rise up. Yeah, And as a mother, like I always, I never take off the mother hat. Um, Please don't. I never do. I can't. It's, it's who I am. It's my primary vocation. But as a mother, I thank you, Bishop, and I thank you, Deacon Keith, for bringing issues like this to the light. Because, you know, the way I've put it, for me personally, I can't just be quiet right now. I, I, I heeded the admonishment of the Vatican from 2005 that if parents are going, if parents are morally coerced into accepting immorally produced vaccines for their children to protect our children, then we at least have the obligation to speak up. And I did speak up, and like many parents know, I spoke up in a doctor's office where it just fell flat. It, it was like the tree falling in the forest. Nobody heard it. And I vowed to myself that I would, I prayed for the opportunity to someday speak up with a louder voice in a way that would be heard. And I think God sometimes prepares us for things. But I recognize the value of what you're doing. It's like this. If we don't speak up right now while we still have a chance to influence the development of this vaccine, it's not, this is not a vaccine from two decades ago. This is happening right now in our lifetimes. And it's not just fetal cell lines. It's like Bishop said, attorneys general petitioning the president to chop up body, bodies of aborted children to use in the testing of these vaccines. If we don't speak up right now, a year, now, a year from now, we could be in a situation where the governments force us to receive these vaccines, because I, I think governments probably will get there because of the economic devastation we've seen. Government forces us to all receive the vaccine, and the only vaccine available is produced with dead children. We, I'm not going to let that, that day come, even if it's a year from now, and say, I didn't speak up when I had the chance. I know I have the chance to speak up now. You are doing that. You are speaking up. And I will not leave that legacy to my children and grandchildren that your mother and your grandmother didn't speak up when she had the chance because this happened on my watch. And I will not sit back and do nothing. Well, we need absolutely the vaccine is part of a path to the future. Mm -hmm. But we can't pave that path. That right. road can't be built on the body parts of unborn children. It, it just, we've Chilling. got too many of those issues already on the path to where we are right now. And we need to look at those, absolutely. But 
at least we can stop the path into the future. There, we're, we're seeing so many things, the different companies and advertisements saying, we'll get through this. We do need a path through this, but we can't build it on our neighbor. No. We can't use someone mm -hmm. to, to build this path. And that's really what creating a COVID-19 vaccine built on using the, the tissue, the parts of unborn children that are only available because they were killed. Mm -hmm. You can't just slice a baby's arm off because it would come in handy for a vaccine. It's heartbreaking. These children were killed, and it's like, well, they're dead anyway. We might as well use their leftover parts. That is their parts. rationale, yep. And that I would call diabolical. Yeah. It's part of this culture of death that we need to plant our flag and say, no, mm -hmm. no path to the future mm -hmm. can take us down this road. And then it strengthens us to begin looking at the whole culture of death at issues that we've all inherited mm -hmm. in our lifetimes to begin saying, how do we exactly. move? Where do we look at the mm -hmm. rest of this iceberg that's all under the surface and built into a culture of death and how do we begin to incrementally change that as well? Mm -hmm. We can't do it all in one fell swoop, but as long as we're seeking the truth and the light, I bring up the light, it was interesting, I think we've all seen recently, that this virus doesn't like light. <laughs> right. What evil does like <laughs> the light? And during this Easter season, we're celebrating the greatest light of all, Amen. the light of Christ. One of the things that I've seen recently, the, uh, the Shroud of Turin, and, and whether you believe it's, it's authentic or not, the scientists have told us that this, they've tried to reproduce the image on the Shroud of Turin. From what I understand scientifically, they can't do it. And from what I understand, it is the brightest of lights, like a, a nuclear explosion brightness of light that blinding light mm -hmm. that created that image on that cloth, what we call the Shroud of Turin. Christ is the light of the world. And that's how we build a path to the future, on his light, guided by yeah. his light. And there's a lot of darkness in this culture of death that needs to be exposed, that needs to be cleansed and sanitized and brought back into the truth that Christ suffered, died, and rose to share with humanity. And he told us that we're the lights of the world. And so we now, living in this age of darkness, are called to dispel this light. There is a moral way forward. There is another approach to this vaccine. Scientists know that. So too do manufacturers, by the way. The question is, will we stand up as a light right now and mm -hmm. say no more darkness? Because, Go this way. <laughs> yes, not only do we want to oppose the culture of death, which we do, but once again, Pope St. John Paul II said, we're the culture of life. Mm -hmm. We're called to build a new culture of life and civilization of love. And you do that one step at a time. This step is right here, right now. Mm -hmm. We need to oppose the approach to a COVID-19 vaccine mm -hmm. that uses children as objects rather than gifts. That's immoral and it must not proceed. No more. And I mean, there are so many people after this letter just came out recently, 
people are already saying they, they read the letter and even though you're not asking them to stand with you that's what they're saying because you you said real simply in your tweet i will not kill children to live huh? period the end like <laughs> that's the economy of language of, of perfect wording and people it just strikes a chord in people's heart and they they know they don't need to say anything else but i stand with you bishop strickland um, that it, it's the light, it's Christ, it's the right thing to do. And yep. speaking out is going to be enough, I think. I don't think we need big petitions. And I mean, it's a petition of the heart. It's enough to let the manufacturers know we aren't going to use that vaccine if you make it. There will be a problem. If you want to avoid these problems, do the right thing. Yeah. And even just to speak in terms of the the bottom line of these kinds of companies that are developing or working on developing i'm sure it's a race mm -hmm. for big dollars yep. to produce this covid19 vaccine um and i think to to acknowledge that it's going to affect your bottom line if mm -hmm. people say we're not going to take it um we're not going to do this and i i would encourage people that are are watching this uh, podcast that are maybe saying okay we're with you bishop strickland we're with you dr trisenkos we're with you deacon keith what do we do that you can go to the saint philip institute.org website and get some a path mm -hmm. to participate in this to be able to speak up because i know i speak to all the people all the time on all kinds of issues and we can kind of feel paralyzed what difference can i make and even in, in today's gospel, we had the beautiful reading of the multiplication yeah. of the loaves. One little boy mm -hmm. had enough fish and bread with the grace of God, put the little we have mm -hmm. together with the grace of God, and miracles happen. That little boy was there mm -hmm. and offered what he could. Mm -hmm. If that little boy had been aborted, that wouldn't have happened. And that's the poverty that we deal with mm -hmm. when our neighbors that are unborn are eliminated mm -hmm. before they have a chance to share their gift and be a part of the human story. Yeah. And that little boy is us. Yes. Okay. I mean, good boy, Deacon Keith. <laughs> Keith Fournier, good, good boy. boy. <laughs> I'm standing with Bishop Strickland. I'm giving him the loaves and the fish I have. Yeah. And this, the miracle continues because mm -hmm. the, the wonderful truth of the multiplication of the loaves, and it's in all four Gospels, by the way, underscoring its importance. And it's John, the fourth Gospel, the theologian who brings that little boy in. And I believe the little boy was there. But why did John emphasize him? Because unless you become as a child, mm -hmm. we need to just from our hearts say, here, I'm standing with you. I'm standing for that child. Mm -hmm. I'm standing for what is good and what is true and what is noble and what is beautiful. And I'm saying no to this darkness. And the manufacturers will listen. They will. They will. And I believe other parties that need to listen mm -hmm. will listen, including those in elected office. But we cannot be silent because unfortunately, and I'm a lawyer by training, silence often is read as consent. Yep. We don't consent. We oppose this evil. Mm -hmm. We stand up for an ethical, moral vaccine, and we stand up for the child in the womb, our youngest neighbor. Yeah. And people may be wondering, what do we do then? I mean, we, we live in a time of digital communication around the globe like none other. I mean, this is, we sometimes forget how 
unprecedented is, is the right word here that these times are we can use social media to speak up you know without social media we would speak up and maybe the people in our neighborhood might hear it or the people at our dinner table we can speak up with social media and that, i mean that's i think that's what we're saying right now yep. is make some noise on social media i can attest to what you're saying with the big companies because i used to work for the largest chemical company in the world dupont and I know for a fact that they put money, any company does, it's not just DuPont, companies put money into groups of people who are constantly assessing the market. They pay attention to what people are saying. And nowadays they pay attention to what's being said on social media in very quantitative ways mm-hmm. that would probably scare us if we knew, but they do pay attention. And you can vote with your words on social media. Um, and, and if they sense that something's going to be a problem, even if they're not inclined to do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing, if they understand that it's going to impact their, the dollars they're going to make, if it's just a, a numbers thing for the bottom line of the company, they will listen. They'll be forced to listen. Well, sort of combining everything that you're both saying, <laughs> what occurs to me is we all have heard better to light one candle mm-hmm. than to curse the darkness. And we can feel like, what can one candle do? But think about candle power. Yep. All light is me- measured in candle power. Mm-hmm. The light of the sun is a whole lot of candles. <laughs> and with the grace of God, that one, light, one lit candle lit in a desire to live his love and grace the best we can as one little candle, his grace can multiply that literally exponentially. And that is what we're talking about. Yes, you can make a difference. Light one candle of the truth of Christ with your voice. And hold it up. (laughs) You know, I'm reminded, sadly, we have lived through this protracted, difficult time as a result of this pandemic. So we didn't have a lot of Easter vigil celebrations. But I'm reminded as a deacon of the church of carrying the new Paschal candle in, <laughs> and one by one, Spreading in it. a dark church, <clears throat> those little taper candles, and the whole church lights up. And that's why the church's mother and teacher in her liturgy has us experience these things, to show us that we are the light. And if we pass this on virally through social media, we can rock the world and stop <laughs> this evil from progressing and shine the light of truth. And, and where that light originates is in the new light of Easter yep. that is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's where that candle, mm-hmm. the big from candle, the past, gets yep. lit that's from right. the Easter fire. From the fire. The fire of the resurrection. Amen. And that's what yep. we all have to remember. At the end of every um, podcast episode that we do here at the St. Philip Institute, we have a, a final into the chariot moment where we just bring home the point of the episode the main this is that the podcast about teaching how to teach the catholic faith we're not just teaching it we're teaching people how to teach it because um, we very much understand as you've put it bishop that we take the eternal shining truths the light off that hill and we do have an obligation as evangelists to bring them down into the times we live in um, we have to do both. We have, we have to reach for heaven, and we have to be in the world at the same time. And there's, there's sometimes some skill involved in doing that. You, you have to practice the virtue of prudence every day to 
be honest about where things are. The into the chariot moment is just the take home. And and I want to use as the take home today the way you closed out your your pastoral letter on this issue about aborted children in the development of the COVID-19 vaccine. You say that we must beg the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, of her chaste spouse, St. Joseph, and of all the saints to help us hold sacred the greatest gift of God's creation, which is the human person and the precious gift of human life at every age and stage. That's the bottom line. I mean, everything we're talking about on COVID-19 vaccine and all the details that we busy ourselves knowing about, because that's part of prudence, you got to know all the things that are going on. It's fundamentally derived from that most basic human truth that we all are children of God, created in his image and likeness and deserving of dignity. And as I tell my own children, when I'm upset with them especially, Every child deserves to be loved unconditionally from the first moment he or she exists, just for being you. Um, and that's all we're saying here is let's do that. Absolutely. Could you please um, close us out with an apostolic blessing after I remind everyone to follow us online, subscribe to our podcast, and um, visit our website, stphilipinstitute.org, St. S.T. Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P, Institute, I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E, all one long word, dot org. Um, and support us in the work that we're doing. Thank you. The Lord be with you. And with, with your, your spirit. spirit. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all of the human family all of those watching this podcast and all the voices that can speak the truth of the gift of life, that we might all be reminded that when we share our voice in truth, your grace does multiply that gift abundantly. Guide us in hope and joy to follow in the light of your Son. And we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.